Hello, this is Penn Gillette. If I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. The Libra Cube. That is a podcast we haven't heard yet. Might be good, might be terrible. The Libro Cube Podcast with host Jordan Maywood. All right, here we go. This comes to us from our good friend Jordan Maywood. You call hamburger steamed ham. Yes. Hello, welcome. To the Libro Cube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Libro Cube. Regardless, the show is one in which I discuss all the. Well, is it a discussion if it's just me? That is a question for a dictionary, and I am not one. As much as I might seem like it with this such a large, big vocabulary. Large and big. Those are two words that mean the same thing. That's more of a thesaurus thing, actually, now that I think about it. But the definition of a thesaurus would be found in a dictionary. How about that for a real mind bender? <sighs> Off the rails. One minute and 50 seconds. 15 seconds in. Oh, I can't even get the time? Goddamn right. Anyways, as I was saying, the show is one in which I discuss, we'll just say, for the sake of argument, all the media I have consumed. Why? Why would I do this? Because uh, I could just sit with a person, this poor, poor soul, and sit them down and tell them about all the movies, TVs, books, games, and internets that I have experienced, uh, but they would probably kill themselves, and uh, that wouldn't be fair to them. So instead, I spread it out on the internet. <laughs> and this is hopefully not some sort of uh, the ring situation where in five days you're going to die if you listen to this, I assume. Is that the ring? I'm pretty sure it's the ring. I have the right movie, right? Ringu? What's the one with the video? Anyways, I'm going to push several buttons, but the first of which will take us into segment number one, which is movie monologue, if you're unfamiliar. And I should say on that note, in the note of all future segments in this podcast episode... <gasps> Uh, that there may be spoilers of things you haven't consumed yourself. So, you know, it's just a sort of a warning of that possibility, I suppose you would say. Pushing button now. God damn it. Today's movie monologue is Swedish Meat Balls. Thank you for that sponsorship. Movie the first, I watched Dolomite. Yes, uh, if you listened to last, uh, 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 was it last week? Yeah, last week's episode, I watched uh, uh, My Name hi, My name is Dolomite. Yeah, anyways, so uh, I decided to uh, watch the movie it was based on, having not been 100% sure if I had seen it or not. After, uh, excuse me, watching it, I can verify, yes, uh, I never did see it, because I'm pretty sure I would have remembered it. Uh, right off the bat, gotta say, man, the scenes that they recreate in uh, Eddie Murphy's docudrama, I suppose that would be called, yes, no, um, it's, it's, like, amazing how good a job they did. Uh, it's it just, like, spot on, like, shot for shot, uh, pretty incredible. Uh, and so is this movie. Yeah, it, it's weird. Uh, it, it's definitely of the time. 
and uh, it's good. I, I I did like it, and 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 I do like movies of this sort of uh, strange actiony, uh, so bad they're good question mark type of movie. <laughs> I, I, one thing I want to say: this movie for me wins uh, in award. Uh, maybe not the greatest award. Uh, uh, most times seeing a boom mic in a movie. <laughs> uh, I guess maybe movies. Uh, if there's a movie about sort of making movies and you see people holding boom mics and that, those would maybe outdo this one. But for a movie where you're not supposed to see the boom mic, you see it a lot. Just a little, little black fuzzy thing coming into the top of the frame. Um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, rating wise, rating wise. So, you know, I think I could go like a solid four. Uh, the potential to rewatch this does exist. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with my rating scale, three is enjoyed while watching, but probably wouldn't watch again. Uh, and I could see myself maybe down the road rewatching this. Maybe uh, uh, there's other ones in. Is there other ones? Dolomite is my name. Uh, what would be. I'll, I'll tell you what. As I like to try to get a little audience participation from time to time. Uh, watching this, are there other movies in this vein that I would like? Um, I, I'm seeing uh, on the IMD there's one called The Monkey Hustle. The S is a dollar sign. Ooh, that's pretty exciting. Uh, there's one called Disco Godfather. Ooh, I like the sounds of that. Knives Out. Oh, that's from 2019. Petty Wheat Straw. That's an interesting one. Okay, so uh, of the ones recommended, and we've got uh, The Human Tornado. Of those, which ones should I watch next? And I'll tell you what. Someone out there listening to this, if you vote on one of those, I will watch it. If you don't, I won't. And that rhymes, and you know it rhymes. Moving on to movie number two, Midsummer. Oh yeah, that's a weird one. Uh, uh, let me read the IMDA. I, I feel like I like reading the IMDA more on weird ones, because maybe it'll give us a good base. Uh, a couple travels to Sweden to visit a rural hometown's fabled Midsummer Festival. What begins as an idyllic retreat quickly devolves into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult. Yeah, this is a weird movie. Weird, weird, weird. Um, I I can one million percent guarantee I'm not the first person to make this comparison, but there's a lot of scenes in this movie that will remind you of scenes in The Shining. Um, not in terms of content, just in terms of the way that... The, the, the visuals, the way they are filmed, the music... Uh, there's a lot of things that you're going to be like, oh, Jesus, this this guy must really like The Shining. Uh, this Ari Aster, writer and director. Hmm, good for you, Ari. Ari. Um, Rating-wise, just to get that out of the way, I, I, can I go five? Ooh. I don't think I can, to be honest with you. Um, maybe it's because I went in expecting something a little different. It's a little like uh, uh, The Shining meets... Uh, 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 what are those movies? Hostel. A little bit of a hostile feel in terms of just the, the level of brut brutality and gore um, and craziness. 
oh geez, uh, you know what? It's its own th- <laughs> it's its own thing when it comes to a level of craziness of, of some of the, the the shit that goes down at this midsummer festival. Uh, uh, just just things you you've never seen in a movie before, and and some things you probably don't want to see in a movie before, just for the reason that they will make you uh, uncomfortable and and squirm in your seat. Which you know the, that's what this movie you could tell just by looking at the the cover of the movie. That's what this movie wants you to do, and uh, it is successful. So for that reason alone, uh, I, I should give it a four plus. Huh? Four plus. Last but not least, three billboards outside Epping, Missouri. Yeah, uh, I like to uh, run through the what are they uh, the Oscar nominee and winners every once in a while, and I believe this was one. Did it win? I can't remember. A mother's pers- a mother personally challenges the local authorities to solve her daughter's murder when they fail to catch the culprits. Ooh, starring Frances McDormand, who I I think is an actress. Who falls into the category of uh, whatever movie she is in is going to be a good movie. <laughs> Just sort of period, full stop. Uh, we've got Sam Rockwell, we've got Woody Harrelson. Uh, uh, just a, a, a great cast. Um, I f- easy. Yeah, easy for me to give a 5 out of 5. Uh, it's not dissimilar to Midsummer. Uh, there's going to be moments where you will be uncomfortable, but uh, again, this is supposed to happen, <laughs> at least I presume, uh, because it, it, it gets uh, pretty dark, pretty dark. Uh, but you know what, there's, there's the odd moment of lightness as well, and this is something that for me comes up again and again and again on this podcast. Uh, movies that are 100% drama 100% of the time, not a big fan of movies that are 100% comedy and 100% of the time, usually not that great, usually a little too broad. But when you get a good mix of the two, that I think more accurately uh, imitates what actual real life is, and that pulls you in more for that reason, I do believe. And this movie does that very, very well. So easy for me to give it a 5 out of 5. Very much liked it. And I think if you look back, um, on my watching of, you know, the sort of critically acclaimed Oscar winner type movies, like, uh, I, I don't necessarily give them high marks. Like, I, I tend not to listen to critics about things, I think is probably more obvious in me giving higher ratings to movies they would consider bad. But also, every once in a while, movies they uh, very much like, I will give low. So, I, I'm just sort of doing my own thing over here, and... I don't know why I bring that up, so I'm going to push a button and move on to the next segment. Ah, King of the Segways. Television Talk. Today's Television Talk sponsor is The Blouse Barn. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, uh, have a goddamn jam-packed television talk for you today. Uh, not one, not two, not three, not five, but four different seasons of television shows. We've got BoJack Horseman, Season 6, Shit's Creek, Season 5, and Archer, Seasons 9 and 10. Holy guacamole. Uh, yeah, uh, why, why did I have so much? <laughs> I, I, I don't remember. Uh, yeah, uh... I can't remember. There, I, I, 
maybe it was like some working from home I, I've done recently, which, uh, you know what, on that note, maybe I should mention, uh, will potentially, at least it's in the works, uh, be working from home two days a week. Um, so that will mean probably more in the way of television and less podcasts, just because I usually, when working from home, I'll have a TV show in the background rather than a podcast, but we'll see, we'll see. I, I still got some some things to figure out. I got myself a, a, a cool little work from home desk thingy, um, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, it should be in the weeks to come. So potentially uh, the, the television talk segments will be more numerous. Interesting. Anyways, uh, Bojack Horseman, Season 6. Uh, it was good. Uh, one thing I want to say right off the bat is Seasons 1 to 5 I did in a previous episode. And those I watched um, not while playing video games. Uh, long-time listeners will know uh, my media consumption usually comes in the forms of movies and television shows on one screen and a video game on the other, sort of simultaneously. Uh, and season one to five, uh, I did in a sort of different venue, let's say. Uh, so I just sat and watched it and maybe looked at my phone, you know, as you do stuff like that, but didn't actually have a video game on the go. So the potential for this season to not be as good for me, I think exists because of that, which is never really an experiment I had done before. So for that reason, uh, I, I think I gave season one to five, maybe a five out of five, maybe a four out of five, but for this, I'm, I'm going to go closer to a three or a four, <laughs> uh, just because it didn't pull me in like the other ones. It was still good. Uh, still, uh, if you like season one to five, you're going to like season six. It's just, uh, I, I, I feel like, I don't know. Um, it, 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 it didn't have the laughs. Uh, I, I feel like it, it definitely had the darkness and the interesting storylines and things that you probably enjoy of Bojack Horseman that uh, you don't get in any other cartoon, just sort of period, full stop, which is a, an incredible achievement, this thing, this thing that almost I feel like it shouldn't work and yet does so well. Uh, it's just the laugh seemed a little less and it seemed to maybe be starting to take itself more seriously which uh, is fine. It's it's a route you can go. It's just, uh, I like, as I say, a mixture of the two. Uh, uh, and it, for a show like this, I, I feel like a little more in the laugh department may have been desirable. Okay. Still liked it, though. Uh, moving on to Shit's Creek, Season 5. Ah. Uh, can I, oh, I, I was just thinking for a second there, can I say the same thing about the se season? But no, I, I, I think there was, uh, did it take itself more seriously? I don't know. Maybe with the, uh, relationship with David, uh, his relationship with, oh God, so bad with names, the, the guy he runs a shop with, uh, maybe that was, a, a, a t no, no, I, I guess it didn't. They did focus on that a lot more and it was nice to see a little spoiler give a little spoiler warning here, even though I give one at the top, the, uh, uh, the, the proposal at the end of the uh, season. So that was cool. Uh, we're going to see, I guess in season six, probably have a wedding episode. Uh, maybe, uh, I don't know if I heard that they're thinking of season six being the last season for some reason. I think that maybe final episode, wedding episode. Huh? I, I feel like that wouldn't be the first time, uh, a, a, a show has ended its run with a wedding episode, probably. 
I imagine that makes sense. Yeah, was it Friends? Was it the last episode of Wedding Episode? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, so Season 5, Shit's Creek. Uh, easy, easy, 5 out of 5. Uh, so many laughs. Uh, these characters... Uh, if you've watched the first four seasons, it sort of got to the point where, uh, you know them and you love them, <laughs> you know them, you love them, it's Shit's Creek cast, so, uh, very, very good, uh, Archer, season nine, yeah, this one, uh, wasn't my favorite, uh, taking place in 1938, yeah, uh, it's sort of a film noir flashbacky. what's going on here one where they take the characters that you, uh, know and love, huh? And uh, put them in a sort of, is it an alternate universe? Throw them into the past, into different characters. I don't really know if there's necessarily a justification for it. I, I suppose they use a sort of uh, holodeck-like uh, uh, a dream scenario kind of thing to justify it. So, you know, there's that, I guess. Um, but, but, but of the seasons of Archer, and I think, haven't they done this before? I don't really like these ones as much. Uh, they're good. It's just, this is not a film genre that I very much appreciate, so when they do an entire series, like, do an episode or two, fine, but do an entire series of it, uh, season, I mean, it feels, it's just not my favorite. It's still good. Uh, Archer Season 9, give a solid three, uh, some definite four moments, um, but moving on to Archer Season 10. Oh, I see here it's called Archer 1999. I wonder why that is. Probably to give it that futuristic feeling. Yeah, I remember back in the 80s, uh, uh, despite being born in 81, so I wasn't in the 80s for too long, back in the 80s, and I, I guess early 90s, uh, saying uh, 1999 felt like really, it felt like the future. Or, or, or 2000. Ooh, imagine the year 2000? That's crazy. Uh, so yeah, this was a, a futuristic one, which I do love because I love sci-fi, uh, and similar to being set in, uh, 1938, this one is set in the, the apparent far distant future, and some of the, uh, the, the characters you know and love are, uh, in different sort of bodies than they would be, uh, in one case in particular I'm thinking of. Uh, so this season, I, I think I can give a 5 out of 5, very much like this season, uh, and I, I guess that just goes to show you that uh, if a television program is going to uh, uh, take what it normally does and throw it into a completely different genre, and it's a genre you love, well, you're probably going to like that program. Uh, you, ooh, you know what? That just made me, that sentence just made me realize, imagine Archer in, like, fantasy and, like, D&D stuff. Ooh, man, that would be good. In uh, Archer... Like the Rick and Morty-themed Dungeons & Dragons, uh, imagine Archer Dungeons & Dragons. Ooh, I bet you that would be good. Let's move on while I think of that. Conan the Librarian. Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? Book banter. Today's book banter sponsor is the Dryad Arboretum. Thank you for that sponsorship okay oh yeah uh so talking book five of the witcher book series book series do i have to say book series if i said book five probably not probably redundant uh the title is the lady of the lake and it's by andrzej sapkowski you know what i did every single episode so far where i've talked of one of these books one through four i had trouble with the name this time i just said it and said it quickly, 
and with confidence. So, you know, I probably still said it wrong, but that time I did it differently. Okay, so I feel bad, and uh, uh, previous episodes I would... Uh, I don't know if he it was on Twitter or if I tweeted at him or, or, or whatever with my love of the books, but I won't be doing that with this one because I feel bad whenever I have to... <laughs> Man, it's such a, like, Canadian thing, I almost feel like. Uh, like, I bring things back to the podcast, and, and I very rarely... I, I'm such a bad reviewer of things because I don't give things negative reviews very often. Um, because quite often, if they're really bad, uh, uh, maybe I won't finish them, or, or, or things of that nature. It probably happens most in Game Gavin, where I'll, I'll get a video game and I'll play it for five minutes and realize it's garbage, and maybe I'll talk of that. But when it comes to books especially, uh, it's rare that I give up on a book. I was probably 100, 150 pages into this, and uh, I couldn't continue on. It, it, it just... I, I thought it was going to be, you know, the stunning conclusion of the Witcher series. And that was hidden somewhere within this book. But to have to mine through uh, a bunch of new characters that... Not only did I really did not have any idea who they were, but I didn't care who they were. Uh, it, it was like... It was almost like, and I'm going to probably exaggerate this slightly for to demonstrate what I mean. Probably 10% of this book was about the the, the titular Witcher, and uh, 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 what's her name, Circe, Sissy, Siri, yeah, and Siri. Uh, so so the characters I wanted to know about, the characters that I had uh, an invested interest in from the first four books we're probably in 10% of this book. And again, that number might be exaggerated, but not by a huge amount. So that was very disappointing. I would skip entire chapters. I would skip multiple chapters at once, just looking for the names of the characters who I was interested in. Uh, and it got to the point where I just, I, I realized uh, I'm not really reading this book. I, I, I'm just sort of like picking and choosing uh, paragraphs practically to read and, and it just got ridiculous to the point where I had to give up so uh, I don't know if I've ever given a book a one but you know what I'm gonna do here I'm gonna basically give this one I, I'm gonna give the majority of this book a one and the parts that I read about the characters that I wanted to read about I'm gonna give you know like a five out of five they were amazing parts when it was about that it's just the book wasn't I really don't understand the, the sudden turn in the fifth book of a series to not focus on the main characters. Uh, it just boggled my mind. And, and the things that were happening it, to these these other characters, like I tried, I, I did try. It's just I, I couldn't, my interest in, in whoever these other people were and what they were doing, I, I just didn't care. And that saddens me. And I hope Andrew Zapakowski doesn't listen to this because that would hurt me even more than having to read the book oh what a horrible thing to say so i'm gonna move on game gavin today's game Cabinet sponsor is dedicated to the memory of Guard 3. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, yes, I have for you a D&D recap from my Storm King's Thunder campaign. 
which I am a part of for a few more sessions, I should say. Yes, on that note, uh, uh, maybe I'll save it for... I'll just say it now because I'm, uh, you know, in the mood and have time. Uh, uh, it's a uh, campaign that I am no longer a part of. Uh, I will, uh, I'm going to my second to last uh, session today, in fact, uh, some hours from now, uh, and then the uh, last session. So uh, this is session nine. I'm going to be reading the recap for, so then we'll have 10 and uh, probably 11, uh, and then we'll uh, be done. I, I might come back. I, I have the, the, the offer to come back if I ever have the desire to do so. It's just because of uh, various things, which I will not get into here. Uh, I, I couldn't really be a part of this campaign any longer. So, you know, as sad as that is to leave a campaign, uh, it, it's nice to have the last few episodes to hopefully do some cool stuff. My character's now at level four, although wasn't in this session nine, so... Uh, I have had a sort of bump in power, which I'm uh, interested to explore today. Uh, just, just some cooler abilities. And for the first time ever, I think I have a, an ability score at, at uh, 20. So that's going to be fun uh, to uh, experiment with. So uh, without further ado, session nine, <clears throat> more like dripping with goblin blood cave. Dearest Alshanary, if I could live forever and fill your pages with all the world's knowledge, I would. It does not take a genius to realize that this is very unlikely. So, when the inevitable happens, I want you to move on and find another. Equally, dearest whoever found this book, should you not wish to take up the mantle of this tome of all knowledge, all I ask is that you try to find someone who does. <coughs> I am admittedly not the most helpful in a fight, so when the battle had been engaged at the entrance to the Dripping Caves, I thought that perhaps my newfound ability to turn invisible would give me a, the unique opportunity to both reconnoiter the initial caverns so as to not have any nasty surprises while simultaneously, hopefully, finding the villagers to make sure all this effort was even needed, on top of which perhaps any survivors could be freed to fight alongside us as we escape. Despite the failure on both fronts, eventually our team worked well to not only destroy the poison arrow firing goblins, but also murderize a male and decidedly female ogre. The former gave us an extra dose of trouble when he was initially felled. A glowing rune on his chest seemed to suck some life essence from those around it, bringing it back to life. Oh yeah, that was a uh, that was worrisome. <laughs> I decided a giant rune, a giant slash rune spell, such as this, might have an effective range, which proved to be the case and allowed us to eventually clear this initial cavern, but not without a heavy cost. Yeah, uh, I. I, I actually got a uh, inspiration for that because I sort of uh, I don't know if that was metagaming necessarily it's just the fact that uh, the reason I think it wasn't metagaming was because it only sucked in the essence from those who were like right near it whereas I wasn't close to it and it didn't suck in mine so my sort of theory was that maybe it had a range so if we knocked out the ogre again uh, from range and no one was near it, then it wouldn't come back to life. And that proved true. So, um, sort of meta-y, but I, I don't think it necessarily was. Like, if we were all near it, and maybe that would have been a different case. But, uh, you know. Anyways. Uh, I have great sorrow to report that a true legend among men left us this day. 
If I had one wish, it would be that I spent more time with Mr. Three. Guard was a loving family man, a loyal and fierce fighter. I understand he donated all his pay to the upkeep of an orphanage. This blow will leave a scar on the world that I worry may never be healed. I intend to include within the Alshinary the tales of his illustrious career in the hopes that future generations can be led by his heroic example. R.I.P. Guard 3. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the DM didn't uh, have names for the guards who accompanied us from Nightstone. Just, you know, as you do, as you quite often do in D&D. &D. Uh, I, I try not to do it, but uh, sometimes you'll just be naming, you know, Cobalt 1, 2, 3, Guard 1, 2, 3. I think there was five guards with us. We, we had quite a healthy bunch of guards, which was good because we almost died. Uh, but, but one of them died, Guard 3. So I, I, I pretended his name was Guard, G-A-R-D. And his last name was Three. And that was the joke. And this has been Jordan Explains a Joke. <sighs> I must digress for fear of breaking down into inconsolable tears once more. Once the dust has settled, we all breathe the sigh of relief. But I fear for what the innumerable tunnels springing forth from this chamber could contain. In order to get the lay of the land as quickly as possible, I cast on myself expedious retreat and zoomed around the cave complex as fast as my little gnome legs could carry me. I found the following. 1. Goblinest. The women, children, and rare elderly goblins are found here. My dashing through scared the bejesus out of them. And I think kissing a young baby goblin to allay their fears not only did not work, but also gave me some sort of rash. 2. Blocked Passage A sizable round stone seemed to have been rolled in place of a sort of as a sort of makeshift door. Not sure what is behind the stone, as I certainly could not move it. 3. Chimney to Outside some actual sunlight revealed a goblin who I think was so surprised to see me that she froze before she could react. Could be a way in if the main entrance became blocked. 4. Dark Cavern I know I saw movement and pretty sure I saw glow eyes glowing from within this dark cavern. No time to give it more thorough search, but I also did not want to. 5. Rusty Hutches in my youth, I used to wrestle under the name Rusty Hutches. A pillar, which is what it is called when a stalactite and stalagmite join together, is pockmarked with holes, and below it rests two rusted gold goblin scimitars. Rust monsters, perhaps? Again, no time to fully investigate, but at least we have a gist. Six. Giant Mushrooms. Near a pool of water, I harvest four giant mushrooms. Now, I should clarify that these mushrooms are... That are... Uh, I should clarify that these are not mushrooms that are large in size, but instead are ones that can be used for certain potions granting giant levels of strength, if you know how to brew them. I do not, so perhaps the fact that they are rare and can be sold for very much will come in handy. 7a... Dodkong runes. Regarding the runes that reactivated the dead ogre, I see that according to my Alshinary entry, and then I just posted a, <laughs> a Wikipedia link to what the runes mean, uh, 7b Karenator Shrine. Probably said that wrong. 
the magic rune on the ogre was Dodkon, but the shrine was to Kerenator. So, whomever is behind these ghastly acts is linked to both the worship of the god and the corruption of the real word presence of the stone giant lich lord known as Dodokon. And according to my Alshanary notes about Kerenator, and again, I just posted the Wikipedia entry, which you can go read because it's some interesting lore, so, you know. Eat the Bat Cave. Actions have consequences, and although my magically rushed investigation gave us much knowledge that will no doubt be helpful for the greater good, I will admit that when I called out in this chamber's entrance for the captive villagers that the thought that a swarm of bats would hear my call, become enraged, and kill one of them did not cross my mind. Yeah, that was embarrassing. Uh, hopefully the villager's son did not see them killed and turn that emotionally scarring uh, intertwined with bats to one day become some sort of vigilante, some sort of man-bat, if you will. Anyway, the villagers managed to calm themselves enough to pull themselves out of this cavern. They are led by Morak, who it turns out was the dwarven innkeeper of the aptly named Nightstone Inn. Having the remaining villagers uh, out of the cavern is our top priority, with looting a close second. So, once those two tasks are complete, we head en masse back to Nightstone. But, before we do so, the cowering goblins built up enough courage to harangue our departure. Working with Noctis, I magically enlarge him to make his already fearsome presence fearsomer. And as he threatens the remaining goblins with death, if they do not vacate the cavern, I use my message cantrip to speak into their tiny brains that perhaps leaving is the only course of action. Killing sentient, sentient women and children, even evil ones who would kill me given half the chance, does not feel great. However, we can now say at least that we have given them the opportunity to turn over a new leaf. Doubtfully that they will, but you never know. Uh, when we arrive back at Nightstone, there are decisions to be made, like who's who's going to be in charge, who's temporarily going to be in charge, um, other political type things. Er, uh, should this settlement still be called Nightstone now that the titular Nightstone is no longer here? Questions. Uh, regardless of the outcome of these questions, we learn of the existence of a giant expert in Bryn Shadar, which according to my Alshanary is roughly two months travel north and is nearish Icewind Dale. The expert's name is Markham Selfwell, and should we ever be up there, perhaps visiting my good friend Wolfger... Uh, we should surely check in. Uh, in the interim, though, our plan is to return to the Dripping Caves and better delve its depths, uh, as there is seemingly a connection between what we encountered there and the unnatural organizations of giant in the region. Uh, en route, we will two birds one night stone it by helping a fellow gnome with his caravan so that he may reclaim the goods he had to abandon when the goblins captured him along with the villagers. He has promised us some assistance in the form of loot that will no doubt help us get to the bottom of dripping chaos, but probably not literally the bottom. Dot, dot, dot.
Today's Internet Intergore sponsor is Podcasts About Podcasts. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, I only have two items, but they're both very exciting ones. First and foremost, or is it foremost? No, first and second most, from my perspective, but first and foremost, probably from most people's perspective, ooh, convoluted, is the Adventure Zone graduation. Yes, 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 yes. Was so excited. Uh, I don't know if I've spoken of it on the podcast. I'm pretty sure I have. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. That uh, uh, when the Adventure Zone, the podcast that started as a D&D podcast, moved into things not D&D, I, I did try and I did have some enjoyment listening to those non-D&D episodes, but uh, I just couldn't continue on it. And I know why, and, and I've sort of figured out why through experimentation with many D&D podcasts, and uh, I know I've said this, but if this, this will be helpful to say again if this describes what you like, because it will help you. Yeah, sure. Okay, anyways, I don't know why I am doing that. Uh, D&D podcasts have to have certain things for me to like them. Uh, they can't be 100% roleplay 100% of the time. Uh, I just can't get into that. It's It, it feels not... Uh, it, it feels like you're listening to a story, which is maybe something you like. It's just not something that I'm searching for. Uh, so that, that that's number one for me. Uh, number two, it has to be funny. Yeah, I, I need comedy. Uh, these are professional comedians. Well, they're not like stand-up comedians, but they are professional in that for a living they do things to be funny uh, and a lot of the podcasts that I gravitate towards uh, Nerd Poker, uh, Not Another D&D Podcast, uh, The Adventure Zone those are all with people who do comedy for a living so it's not surprising that is one of my criteria uh, I like to hear this is number three I like to hear uh, some of the roles some of the numbers, some of the, the, the stats, like I, I like to hear a, a description of a spell or uh, 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 like right from the right from the book I, I like to get into some of the actual nitty-gritty of D&D I love D&D so why don't I want to hear some of the, that stuff or when they do a special episode and talk about some of the world building they do some of the the behind the scenes stuff uh, I like that as well so uh, those are the things I need and the only thing that uh, when the Adventure Zone moved away from D&D, it didn't, it, it sort of verged into mostly 100% role play 100% of the time, and because it wasn't D&D, it was a system that didn't involve as much numbers and rolling and stats and such, so I sort of lost that as well. It, it, it sold the comedy, but that proved not enough to sustain my interest, which, uh, which is sad. Now, that they're back to D&D uh, in the form of a uh, uh, Harry Potter-esque, just in terms of uh, they're all characters who are attending a sort of school uh, and, and then stories can branch out for that. One thing I love of that, I have played D&D in a uh, Harry Potter-themed campaign. And despite Harry Potter not being, you know, if I were to pick uh, a D&D setting Harry Potter would not be high on my list admittedly and it's not that I don't like Harry Potter I do it's a, it's fine it's just 
you know, I don't love it as some people have a, a crazy amount of love for it. That's all. My, my love is just not quite as high as that. Um, that being said, did have a lot of fun in that campaign. Still, I'm technically part of that campaign, if it ever, you know, happens again. Who's to say? Um, but the fact that it was in the school, I, I could see the potential for lots of cool things to happen. Um, just, just the introduction of field trips opens up the possibility to really anything. Uh, it, it just gives a nice structure, which I think on a, not necessarily in a home game you need, but on a podcast, I think, uh, having a structure to build your story around, I think is more important for, for that because you're, you're trying to entertain, uh, as well as have fun. So uh, I, I think that will help with that. In episode one, one in, uh, I, I love it so far. Uh, I love the characters. Oh, uh, did I? Yeah, let's see. We've got the characters Bud. He is a, uh, what was he, a druid, I do believe? Let's see if I can open this up. Uh, we've got Sir Fitzroy Maplecourt. Mm-hmm. So Bud appears to be a Furbolg. Yeah, he's definitely a Furbolg and a Druid, which uh, I played a Furbolg Druid, actually. Uh, they, they, they do sort of go hand in hand. Um, Sir Fitzroy. We've got a Half-Elf and a Barbarian. Path of the Wild Soul. Ooh, that one's interesting because uh, there's sort of uh, a magical barbarian, basically. Pretty pretty incredible. Uh, and then uh, lastly... Uh, 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 Argo Keen, Water Ganassi, Swashbuckler Rogue, yeah, so that's a, a, a cool, a, a cool adventuring party right there. Barbarian, Rogue, and Druid. So you, you do have a very good base there, I just realized. I wonder if they play in that, or, uh, that's, that's a sort of the thing I think about a podcast is d d you maybe have to plan a little bit better to have a good, uh, mix like that, whereas when you're just playing, uh, in a home game, it's less important. So th th they've probably taken things like that into consideration. Anyways, uh, I'm just very, very excited about this season. Uh, this, this this arc, it's called Graduation. It's the Adventure Zone. Please check it out. Uh, if you've never listened to an adventure of the Adventure Zone, go back to episode one. It's one of only two podcasts where I have done so, where I've listened to the whole thing and then gone back to the beginning and listened again. So... Uh, uh, highly, highly recommend. Okay, moving on. Jeez, uh, despite only having two items for this internet intercourse, uh, it turned out to be a goddamn long one. Item number two is I was a goddamn guest on a podcast. Yes, specifically, The Face Pod, episode number 52. What's The Face Pod, you might ask? Well, you have heard me speak of uh, Star Trek The Next Conversation on this very podcast. In fact... In the show opening, you can hear Matt Myra, uh, co-host with Andrew Secunda of that podcast, uh, say maybe this podcast is good, maybe it's terrible. And you know what? He's goddamn right. Uh, so, uh, uh, the face pod is... <laughs> Jesus, this is hard to explain, and that delights me. Uh, so, Star Trek The Next Conversation. Yeah, let's start there. That's a good base. So, th that's a podcast in which Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda or Andy Secunda, uh, uh, watch and talk about every episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Ah, I love Star Trek, and therefore I love that podcast. 
so that, as many podcasts do, sprung forth a Facebook group of which I am a member. I, I don't know. After a couple of months of its existence, I was a member. So, you know, one of the OGs, which is uh, fun because it's a, a big group now. Now that group, that Facebook group, spun off a podcast. What? So, so a podcast spuns off a Facebook group, spuns off a podcast. What we need now, and I bet you it already exists actually, is a Facebook group dedicated to the FacePod podcast. Uh, uh, you know what? I'm pretty sure that actually does exist. And then we need we need a podcast to to to, to spin. It's like uh, what is it? Ouroboros, the 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 snake eating its own tail, of podcasts and Facebook groups. God damn, but delightful. So, uh, anyways, yeah, uh, I was on episode uh, 52 of that thing that I just described horribly, uh, and, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I was, was nervous going in. Uh, the fact that I've recorded, uh, you know, 500 plus of these, I think helps, or at least did not hinder. The fact that I can seemingly now talk for 44 minutes, uh, probably is of assistance when being a guest on a podcast, plus, uh, uh, uh hosts... I should mention, uh, uh, Mike Mann and Josh Bald, um, very good at their jobs, the jobs of uh, running a, a, a podcast and uh, having some questions and doing one thing I love on a podcast, which is sort of letting flow what may. Like we went, we talked about friggin' Golden Girls at one point, I remember. Uh, uh, we, like we went off on topics that had nothing to do with what we were there to talk about, but then they would sort of uh, steer us back to uh, the, the questions they had. Uh, they did a great job and, uh, I'm, I'm now subscribed. I just listened to, uh, the most recent episode. Oh, that was kind of sad. Actually. They, uh, the, the guests they had planned for episode 53, uh, ghosted them. So that's not very nice. Uh, mean, in fact, uh, I, this probably will turn to nothing, but I, I did when I saw that happen, I sort of, because I had such a good time and because I, I, despite having a almost total lack of self-confidence, I, I almost felt like it went well. <laughs> like I felt like I did a good job, which is not a feeling I'm used to feeling. Uh, so, uh, I sort of threw out to them to, to, if they ever had someone back out like that again to, you know, I, I'd be willing to step in because uh, I had fun doing so. I, I don't know if they would necessarily take me up on that like they may have just been doing nice when they said i did a good job which is uh, you know nice of them huh, anyways i'm rambling now uh regardless go check out the face pod check out star trek the next conversation uh, uh check out uh, there, there's a link to the episode i was a guest in in this uh and what we're gonna do to end this episode apparently every episode they have a guest in uh they create a theme song for that guest so they did so for me and it's a pretty goddamn delightful little ditty so what i'm gonna do is end this podcast and the show ending will be rather than my normal show ending will be yeah you know what i was gonna say uh, i'm gonna do that and then the normal show ending no you know what it's gonna be the first time in to to celebrate this episode is gonna be the first time i think i've ever not put my own show ending i'm gonna put a little ditty at the end because why not this is my podcast i can do whatever the hell i want to and that is what i want to do so folks Thank you for listening. It's nice to be nice to the nice.